Let me pray for you. Let's pray. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You are holy, and you are almighty, and and you're eternal, and we praise you and we adore you because you're worthy of our praise. And as we look at you, we see ourselves, and, and we confess our sins to you. The things we have said and done and thought this week we ought not to have, forgive us, Lord. And, and the things we've left undone, forgive us. Oh, how thankful we are that you are forgiving God and we are forgiven. And thank you for giving us your spirit. And thank you for giving us your word. And thank you that we can gather and meet you today. Thank you for a beautiful, beautiful day. Thank you for today. And we need you in And boy, our community and our nation needs you. So we pray, will you not yourself revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Holy Spirit, revive us as we open your word today. Fall fresh on us. May the lost be won and and may believers be built up and may workers be equipped and may disciple makers be multiplied so that we could fill our community with the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. One more thing about equipping others to pray. Whenever I pray in public, whether it's here or in small group, my desire is to pray so simply that anybody sitting in here could say, I could do that. And I want you to know you can't. You ever been in small group with someone and they prayed and it's kind of like, I'm not following that. I think what we want to do is we want to equip people so that they can do what we're able to do. All right. I'm going to read you our scripture reading this morning. I had a hard time finding it because it's in the New Testament. We've been in the Old Testament for a long time. So in 1 Peter 1, if you have your Bible, you can turn there with me. If you don't, you can follow on the screen. But we read, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Uh, did you know recently there was an NFL draft? Did you know that? And you know what? No one called me. I was waiting by the phone, and no one called me. I mean, come on, with a body like this, can you understand why? Oh, but a lot of people did get called. Have, have, you, ever seen, have you ever seen a video of, of someone who waited all their life for this call, and then they got the call? Look, look, look at this video. <laughs> the 2020 draft, the Cincinnati Bengals select Joe Burrow. To jump up to number one overall is crazy to me, but it's a, it's a dream come true. This is crazy, I'm, I'm in awe right now, you know, so definitely a special moment and I'm, I'm just blessed to be here. With the third pick, Jeff Okuda. The New York Giants select Andrew Thomas. Oh yeah! Being able to go out there and represent my family in a, in a Dolphins jersey, it's, it's, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. That's all I could say. What was it like to hear your name called in the first round of the NFL draft? This is something I've looked forward to for my entire life. 
It's everything you wish for growing up as a kid playing football. We knew when we got the call, we was going to be emotional either way, no matter when I got the call. I saw a New Orleans area code, and I just couldn't believe it. This is a blessing, man. Having your name called in the first round, it's a feeling that cannot be described. Like everything stopped. That's, that's a moment that I can't even put into words. That's crazy. Watch my phone ring and, you know, picking up and hearing it was them. It's just, it, was, it was incredible. It's the biggest day of my life. Just ready to get to work. Now, first round pick an NFL draft, and I feel like the blessings are only just starting. Can you imagine that? All your life, you dreamed about that moment, and then you got the call. This week, I was listening to a podcast, and Tyree Cleveland, who, who played at Florida, uh, go Gators. <laughs> he was drafted by the Denver Broncos, and most players get a call from a general manager that nobody's ever heard of. But when Tyree Cleveland got the call, the general manager of the Denver Broncos is John Elway. So he got a call from football royalty, from someone who won two Super Bowls and is the Football Hall of Fame. Tyree says, he knew my name. He called me. He wanted me on the Broncos. He was so over the moon. And, uh, you know, it's, no, it's true that no football or basketball or baseball you know, GM ever called me, but do you know who called me one day? Jesus knew my name. Jesus called me. Jesus said, Smiley, I want you on my team forever. Talk about over the moon, chosen. Jesus wanted me. Isn't that amazing? And listen, that's what we're going to explore today. Uh, what we're going to explore today, look at this. The, the point of today's message is chosen. Maybe you always dreaded gym class or, P, or you know, recess because when they picked for dodgeball or something, you were always, what, the last one taken? But, you know, Jesus loves to pick people that no one else picks. And so what we're going to explore today is that we're chosen. Jesus knows us by name. Jesus loves us. He calls us. We're chosen. Why? To obey Jesus Christ, to be on his team forever. It's going to be so, so good. So let's, let's go back to what we read earlier. We're, we're starting today a, a walk through the book of 1 Peter. So as we start out, we want to ask the question, well, who wrote the book? And Peter makes it really easy in 1 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. Who wrote the book? Peter. And what do we learn about him? That he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. So Peter wrote it. Who is Peter? He's an apostle of Jesus Christ. And this is important. Sometimes we get apostles and disciples confused. They're not the same. All the apostles were disciples because a disciple is a follower of Jesus, right? But all disciples are not apostles. The apostles play a special role in the church. The apostles were eyewitnesses to Jesus Christ. They heard him. They saw him. They saw him after he rose from the dead. And they lay the foundation for the church by giving us the Bible, the New Testament. In Ephesians 2, we read, So then you were no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. When, when Jesus chooses you and calls you, you're a part of the family. You're a part of the church. You're fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, of his family, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. 
What is Jesus doing in the world? He's building his church out of people like you and me. What's the foundation? It's the apostles and prophets. God spoke to them. They gave us the Bible. That's the foundation for the church. The cornerstone that fits it all together is Jesus, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. There's the foundation, the cornerstone, and we're those living stones that Jesus is building together into his church, okay? So, Peter. Now, we know a few things about Peter, right? He's an apostle. We know that Jesus changed his name. His name had been Simon or Cephas, and Jesus said, no more. I'm going to call you Peter, which means rock. Because he was saying what? That the apostles, like Peter, were going to lay the foundation for the church in the New Testament, what else do we know about Peter? Other than Jesus, he's the only one who ever got to walk on water. The one who's writing this is the one who actually, looking at Jesus, walked on water. No one else had that chance, right? He's the one who got to preach at the day of Pentecost, didn't he? When the Holy Spirit fell and he preached and 3,000 people were saved. That's who the author is. And eventually, he would be martyred. So the author, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, who are the recipients of the letter? To those who reside as aliens, he wrote it to Christians. He wrote it to Christians who were a persecuted minority living in, hostile, in a hostile place. Matter of fact, they, they were so persecuted, such a minority, that he addressed them as aliens. And where were they scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia? <laughs> And we say, where's that? So let me help you. You see all those names in this map, all in what's like present-day Turkey? There's Bithynia and Pontus and Cappadocia and Galatia and Asia. See that? So Peter is writing this letter to Christians who are living as aliens, as a persecuted minority in a hostile culture, aliens. <laughs> you ever feel like an alien here? I mean, do you ever look around our culture and say, uh, I don't fit in? If you do, that's good. That's good. We are not supposed to fit in in our culture. We're meant to be aliens. We're meant to be here on a mission that really, really matters. Matter of fact, Jesus prayed for us in John 17. Uh, now, I know we like to call something the Lord's Prayer, but the Lord's Prayer is really the family prayer. That's for us to pray. But this is how Jesus prays for us. If you want to know how he prays for us, this is how. So in John 17, verse 14, Jesus says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Because we're different from the world, Jesus says we would be, what? Hated by the world, World And what makes us different from the world? That we are a people of the book. It's the book that makes us hated. Jesus has given us a book. He's given us his word. And we live in a culture and say there's an authority higher than the civil government, and it's the word of God. And because we're a people of the book, we're strangers and aliens here and will often be hated. Jesus was hated. 
Now notice how Jesus prays for us. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. If we were taken out of the world, if we didn't live as aliens in a hostile culture, we couldn't accomplish our mission. But he does pray that we would be protected from our enemy, the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Listen, our relationship to our culture should be that we're in the world, we're here, but we're not of the world. We're different in some important ways, but we're also for the world. That's why we're here. We're for the world. And if we want to know how to accomplish our mission, the more we look at what Jesus did, the more we know what he wants for us, because what he prays is, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Okay, so Peter, back to 1 Peter, Peter is writing a letter to a persecuted minority living in a hostile culture. And here's the purpose of the letter. The purpose of the letter is to equip Christians, to equip Christians to follow Jesus in a hostile culture. That's what this book is about, is equipping Christians to follow Jesus in a hostile culture. Listen, my purpose, my prayer, as we walk through this together, is we're going to equip you to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture. You ever feel like our culture is hostile to our faith? That's what this series is about. We want to equip you. And so here's what we're going to be doing. I don't know if you've ever noticed... But in the front part of the study, there's a disciple-making map. It's on page 6 and 7. Because we want to make disciples the way Jesus did. And we want to win the lost because Jesus did. And we want to build the believer because Jesus did. And we want to equip the worker because Jesus did. And multiply disciple-makers. So when you win someone to faith in Christ, it's so important you help them to understand what Jesus says about really important questions. Like identity, who am I? And that's what we're going to be focusing in on today. Who am I? What's the new identity we're given as Christians? Who am I? And then we'll look at community. And community is, where do I belong? Where do I belong? And we'll answer that question as we walk through 1 Peter together and equip you. And then we'll ask the question about purpose. Why am I here? It's really important that we know why we're here. And then we'll look at the question money. What would Jesus have me to give? And hope, where am I going? And we're going to be equipping you so that you can equip others in answering these really, really, really important questions. So, today, it's about our new identity, right? And here's what we're learning. Here, remember our point. What we're going to do now is start unpacking it. Our identity is that we are chosen. Who are we? We're chosen. That's who we are. Didn't we see that? Didn't we see that in, in what we read? Writing this to aliens who are chosen. Remember, remember Tyree Cleveland said what? That John Elway chose me and called me. Know what this verse says? Jesus chose us and Jesus called us to himself. The story gets even better. The story here shows how the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were all working together to, to choose us and to save us. Do you see that? Listen, the Father chose us, that we're chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. God knew us, loved us, and chose us first. The Father chose us 
The Spirit purchased us, or that Jesus purchased us with his blood. Do you see that? And he sprinkled, sprinkled with his blood. And then the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit applies to us what Christ has done by the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Listen, if you're new, we're Christians. We believe there's one God. There's one God, but he exists eternally in three persons. One in his being, three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, what do you mean person? Listen, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have a mind and can think. They have emotions. They can feel. They have will where they make choices. God is one, yet three. And God is so crazy about us that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit work together to choose us and to call us. And how? How does Jesus call those whom he chooses? He calls people through the preaching of the gospel. He sends people to share the gospel so that he can call his people to himself. And he sends the Holy Spirit to draw them. And what is the gospel? It's the good news of Jesus. And yet, to appreciate the good news, you have to understand the bad news of the gospel, don't you? And so the gospel says we have a problem, a universal problem called sin. Now let's just pause for a moment. The Bible says we're all sinful. So I just want you to take a moment and look around the world. Just look around the world and ask yourself the question, is there any evidence in the world today that we're flawed? Is there? Are you guys there? Is there any evidence? Yes, right? Matter of fact, we even talk about people when they do something wrong, we say what? They're only human. What we're acknowledging is that they're flawed. They're sinners. And listen, we're all sinners, especially me especially me. We've sinned against God in our words, haven't we? In our thoughts. I mean, do we want the people in the room to know what we thought this week? Do we really want the people in here to know what we said, do we? We sin against God in what we say and think and do. What we don't often think of is we sin against God. That's why sin's such a big deal. God is just. We've sinned against God, and because of that, we're in big trouble. The Bible says what we deserve for what we have done is hell itself. When we understand the bad news, we've sinned, I'm in big trouble, then we say, what do we do? Then we're ready for the good news, and the good news is really good. Here's what we're going to read in 1 Peter. For Christ also died for our sins <clears throat> once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Notice for Christ, so important that we understand that Jesus is God who became a man. And why did he become a man? To save us from our sins. Do you see what it says? He died once for all, the just for the unjust. Think of in the Old Testament, think of all those sacrifices offered over and over again. You know what it taught the people? That we're all sinners. That's what the sacrifice is taught. The sacrifice is taught that the penalty for sin is death. The sacrifices taught that the blood of animals could never take away our sins. They said, what we need is someone who's perfect to die in our place. Jesus, right? The just for the unjust. Jesus is fully human. He could die in our place. He's fully God. His death would be of infinite value. Notice, he died once and for all. Not like the sacrifices offered over and over again. Because once and for all, he dealt with our sin problem. He took our sins upon himself. The just one took the sins of the unjust, died for our sins once and for all, cried out from the cross, it is finished. 
He, he died, but on the third day he walked out of the tomb, proving he had conquered sin and death. And Jesus pursues his people and calls them to himself. Um, it's true. John Elway never has called me. But I'll never forget this day. One day I heard Jesus. And know what he said? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Jesus said, smiling, I want you. I want to move into you and forgive you of all your sins. I want to do life with you. I want to do eternity with you. And you know what happened when I heard Jesus knocking on the door of my heart? I said, come on in. Do you know how good it is to go to bed every night knowing I'm forgiven? I'm so thankful I've received Christ. Are you? Listen, every day since then I've been doing life with Jesus. Do you know how much better life is with Jesus than without him? Do you know what Jesus, when he moved in, he says, I have eternal life. Are we surrounded by people who are, fear, who are afraid of death? Isn't it great to do life knowing I'm going to live forever? Oh, if you've never received Jesus, won't you? Do you hear him knocking? Won't you now, or I'll give you a chance when we pray, won't you to say, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And, and I believe you died and rose for me. Come in and forgive me and give me eternal life and, and help me be the person you want me to be. And if you will, he will. And if you've done that, do you know what that means? Who am I? Who am I? I'm chosen. Who am I? I'm called. Who am I? You know who I am? I'm forgiven. Did you hear that? To obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. The moment Jesus moved in, I was forgiven of all of my sins, past and present and future. Some of you say, well, how could you be forgiven of future sins? Okay. <laughs> when Jesus died, how many of our sins were in the future? All of them, right? Maybe I'm the only one in the room, but my failures haunt me at night, and I wake up in the middle of the night, and do you know how good it is to be forgiven? One of the verses that comforts my anxious thoughts is Psalm 103. I love this verse. Psalm 103, 12. Listen to this verse. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Did you know that God's geography is really good? Did you know that? You say, what do you mean? Now, notice he doesn't say as far as the north is from the south, right? And you do know why it doesn't say that, right? So we're in St. Augustine, we start going north, and we keep going north, and we keep going north. What eventually happens? What happens? We cross the top, and what we start going south. So north does meet south, but east and west never meets. You can keep going east and east and east, and it'll never meet west. And so what that verse says is God takes our sins, past, present, future, and puts them so far away, they'll never be brought up and used against us. Hallelujah. What is our identity? I'm chosen. What's my identity? Listen, I'm called. What's my identity? I'm forgiven. What's my identity? I'm empowered. I'm empowered. I love what someone said, what the blood cleanses, the spirit fills. Did you see that? Um, by the sanctifying work of the spirit that, uh, that we're not only forgiven, but we've been given the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you'll hear someone say, I'm not perfect, I'm just forgiven. Listen, if you're a Christian, you are forgiven, but you're so, so much more than that. 
Listen, you're chosen and called and forgiven and empowered and empowered, okay? So we've looked at the first part of our point, right? Chosen. Let's look at the next part. Uh, chosen, notice, to obey Jesus Christ. We're chosen to obey. What I hear all the time is, finally, do I have to obey? <laughs> if I'm a Christian, do I have to obey? No. No, you don't have to do anything. You get to. What's the purpose of being a Christian? What is it? We come to a place in our life where we say, my life stinks. I want you to take over. And from this day forward, I want to follow you. Are you kidding me? It's not that we have to. We get to. We get to follow Jesus. How amazing is that? Now think about that for a moment. Why don't lost people follow Jesus? Why don't unbelievers follow Jesus? There's two reasons. Number one, they don't want to. Number two, what? They're not able to. The reason lost people don't follow Jesus is they don't want to, and they're not able to. So why does Jesus give us the Holy Spirit? Why does he give us the Holy Spirit? What, to give us the desire and the ability, what? To obey him. Now, I know I've taught you this before, but sometimes we need to be reminded have you ever wondered why the Holy Spirit is called the Holy Spirit? I mean, I was a Christian. I went through seminary. Nobody ever explained this to me, okay? Why is the Holy Spirit called the Holy Spirit? Is he holier than the Father? Is he? Are you guys there? Is he holier than the Father? One more time, is he? Is he holier than the Son? So why do you think he's called the Holy Spirit? He's given to us so that we can be holy. Oh! Oh, I mean, it's simple, but no one ever shared that with me. Don't we see it here? By the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Do you know what the word sanctify means? It means making holy. Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit to change our want to, so we would want to follow him. Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit to change our ability, see, we'd have the ability to follow him. Now, I'm going to do some theology with you, and I want you to know theology is a good word. It's not a bad word. It used to be the queen of sciences. Two words, theology, theos, which means? Theos means God, and logos means to study. So theology is the study of God. So let's study God a little bit. If you're taking a class, let's say, in seminary on Jesus, it'll be called the person and work of Christ. Those are the two important things. The person, who is Jesus? The work, what did he do? So you're smarter than the average congregation. So when we get to the person of Christ, who is Jesus? Who is he? He's, he's God made man, right? He's fully God and fully man in one person. That's who he is. What was his work? His work was to save us, right? Isn't that what we read here? that we're sanctified by the blood of Christ. He shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Okay, so we got that with Jesus. Now, I want you to know the Holy Spirit makes it too easy for us. The Holy Spirit makes it way too easy. Everything we need to know about the person and work of the Spirit is in his name. It's all in his name. So see if you can track with me. The person. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's who? God the... He's God the Spirit, the person 
of the Holy Spirit. It says God the Spirit. There's God the Father. There's God the Son. There's God the Spirit. So now you know the person. He's God the Spirit. Well, what's the work of the Holy Spirit? It's what? To make us holy. Let's try that one more time, okay? I intimidated you, okay? The person. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's who? He's who? God the Spirit. And what's his work? What? One more time to make us holy. And how does he do that? He does that through the Word. By working with the Word, the Holy Spirit loves to exalt Jesus. The reason we get into his word is the Holy Spirit wants to show us how amazing Jesus is. So he gives us the desire and the ability to follow him. When we see Jesus and we're trying to make a decision about what to do, the Holy Spirit says, he's wiser than you, follow him. (laughs) I often hear him say to me, Smiley, what would give you any idea that you're wiser than Jesus, right? What is there about your life that you would trust in yourself? Trust him. Trust him. He's wiser than you. So listen, when we're struggling to follow him, we say, Holy Spirit, give me the desire and the ability to follow Jesus. He loves that because that's what his ministry is, to give us the desire and power to follow Jesus. We read his word. The Holy Spirit says, look at the life he lived. That's a beautiful life. Isn't that the life you want to live? Isn't that the way you want to live, right? When we want to, listen, then he gives us the desire and power to follow him, right? He shows us the purpose Jesus has for our life. He says, look at his purpose. Don't waste your life. Look at his purpose. He has a great purpose for you. Follow him. Follow him. Oh, so... So far, we've really unpacked our point, right? Chosen. What's our identity? We're chosen, called, forgiven, empowered, chosen to obey Jesus Christ. It's not do we have to. It's I can't believe we get to do this. I can't believe I'm not only forgiven, but Jesus has given me the Holy Spirit to give me the desire and power to follow him. Once we understand the point, then we're ready. We're ready for the action step for the, for the week. And here's what I'd love you to do is to follow Jesus into the beautiful life. To follow Jesus into the beautiful life. See, I believe that if you knew Jesus, you'd say, I want to follow him. So let me help you get there. My walk with Jesus has gone through three steps, three steps. The first step, where it all started, was I understood that Jesus is my Savior. I understood that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and the moment I believed in him, I was forgiven, and that was so good. And years later, I understood that he's not only my Savior, he's my righteousness. I began to understand that Jesus lived a perfect life for 33 years on earth, and the moment I believed in Jesus, his righteousness was given to me so that my standing before God from that moment on wasn't based on my obedience but his, and that was so good to know. Matter of fact, here's the verse that started the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther was very tormented by his own sinfulness. So in Romans 1, he's meditating on this verse, for in it, in the gospel... 
In it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. The righteous man shall live by faith. And, it, and he, the light went on in his head. The coin dropped, and he said, God supplies the righteousness. He supplies the righteousness that, that makes us acceptable to God. And so he trusted Christ. And when he did, his sins were given to Christ, and he was forgiven. God's righteousness was given to him. Listen, here's what that means. For the theologically minded, that's called justification by faith double imputation, your sins imputed to Christ and you're forgiven, his righteousness imputed to you. For the not so theologically minded, it means you were once clothed with dirty, dirty clothes. And when you believed in Jesus, he took your clothes and threw them away. And he gave you beautiful new robes of righteousness to wrap yourself in so that from that moment on, when God the Father looked at you, he saw the righteousness of Christ and not yours. Oh, step two to me, step two to me was really beginning to understand that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That when we get Jesus, we get forgiveness, we get righteousness, we get an identity, we, we get the Holy Spirit, right? But step three has been more recent in, in the last few years of, of really understanding that Jesus is our model for life and ministry, that Jesus, that God became a man, and for 33 years, he showed us how life was meant to be lived. He's our model for life. He's our model for ministry. He showed us how to win people to Christ and how to disciple people. He's our model. And if we're going to follow Jesus into the beautiful life, it's very important for us to understand what his part and what our part is in that. So Jesus makes it very simple for us. In John 15, verse 5, where he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says, listen, I'm the vine, you're the branches. When you became a Christian, you connected to me. The the way you follow after me is you just stay connected. The best definition I've ever heard of abide means to be with a friend who loves you and stay there. What does it mean to abide in Christ? It means to be with a friend who loves you and stay there. Remember what Jesus said, if you invite me, I'll come and dine with him. Our part is to regularly dine with Jesus. Our part is to be with a friend who loves us and to stay there. And as we look at Jesus, the Holy Spirit gives us the desire and power to follow him. As we see the beautiful life, we want to follow him. And when we don't, we ask the Holy Spirit, help us to see the beauty of Christ. Give us the desire and ability to follow him in life. He's our model for life. Listen, do you spend time looking at how Jesus lived, do you? Don't, isn't there something inside of you that says, I, I want to live that way? So much of following Jesus is wanting to follow him. Now, I think some of you still aren't convinced, so let me help you a little bit. Uh, imagine St. Augustine. Imagine St. Augustine and no one here followed Jesus. What would it be like? <laughs> I won't repeat that. But Jesus obeyed the Ten Commandments. So imagine St. Augustine, where no one followed Jesus. They didn't believe that was beautiful. God's name would be taken in vain, wouldn't it? Children would talk back to their parents. What would happen? Murder would be everywhere. There'd be no respect for human life. Listen, immorality would abound, right? A woman couldn't go out at night at 2 or 3 in the morning without being attacked, right? Everyone would live with bars on their window and razor wire because people were always stealing, 
Listen, you couldn't trust anybody because everybody was lying. Who would want to live there? Who? Would you? No one would, right? But imagine. Imagine a community where everyone followed Jesus into the beautiful life. Imagine a community where God's name was treated as holy. Would you like to live there? Imagine a community where children honored their father and mother. Would you like to live there? Imagine, imagine a city where there were no murders. Not only were there no murders, but, but human life was so valued, people didn't even call each other names. Imagine a place where, where sex was reserved for marriage and, and a woman could walk down the street at 2 or 3 in the morning with no fear. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? No one locked their doors. Listen, no one locked their doors because no one stole anything. And listen, you didn't have to sign contracts because if someone said something, it was good as done. Who'd like to live there? Man, I would like to live there, wouldn't you? Do you know recently I read that in a postmodern post world, people today don't believe in truth. But know what they do believe in? Beauty. They believe in beauty. We have an opportunity to show people in this community how beautiful Jesus is by following Jesus into the beautiful life. He's our model for life. He's our model for ministry. Do you have friends you'd like to win to Christ? Do you, are, are you trying to disciple people? Listen, Jesus is our model, right? He's our model. For three and a half years, he showed us how to win and how to make disciples, right? And then Jesus was ascended into heaven, and then the Holy Spirit fell, and the church was birthed, and we've been reading about that this week, right? We've been reading about Pentecost and, and how the apostles were sharing the gospel, and as they did, there was hunger, thousands were coming to faith, but there was also hostility, and, and they were persecuted. And then we came to chapter 4. Oh, look at this verse. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with, having been with Jesus. Isn't this Peter who denied Jesus? I mean, isn't this the disciples who all ran away? What happened to them? Now, notice, the reason they knew they had been with Jesus is because they were courageous in proclaiming the gospel. They were upsetting Jerusalem by saying, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And when they said that in a community where Jesus had been crucified, they knew that they had been with Jesus. Oh, man. You know what I'm praying for us? that the people in this community would know that we had been with Jesus. And you know why they could tell? Because we couldn't keep quiet telling people how amazing Jesus is. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. And I want you to know, you've already taken the first step, haven't you? Right? I mean, you're here, right? You're already here, and what have we done together? What We have seen Jesus together, and now I'm praying that as we go, we go just like the apostles to tell them how amazing Jesus is. You've been taught. You can do it. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You've been doing it. You say, how? Well, maybe this week, maybe this week you'll be talking to someone, and they'll talk about how they didn't get invited somewhere and, and how much it hurts, and you can say, man, I know that too, but let me tell you, Someone did invite me 
to the party of the ages. Do you know who that person is? It's Jesus. He chose me. He called me. Wouldn't you like to know him? Oh, how about this week? How about this week? Do you think this week that some of you are like me? You think you'll blow it this week, anybody? Now, a lot of us think that we've blown our witness, but I believe when we blow it is the best opportunity we ever have to share our faith. When you say something this week or you do something you shouldn't, why don't you just say, man, I am so thankful to be a Christian. And what they'll say, well, why is that? Because the moment I believed in Jesus, he forgave me of all my sins, past, present, and future. Listen, have you ever done anything you'd like to be forgiven of? Why don't you open up your Bible and say, let me show you a verse that means so much to me. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions. Did you know that God's geography is good? You can do it. Or how about empowered? You think you'll be with anybody this week who will just be frustrated with life? You know, I try and I fail and I try and I fail and I, I just can't change. Why not say, you know, you're right, you can't. But with Jesus, you can. Because when you believe in Jesus, not only does he forgive you, but he gives you the Holy Spirit. And you know what the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit supernaturally gives you the desire and the ability to do what you could never do on your own. Oh. What have we learned? We've learned that, Jesus, that we are chosen, right? Chosen to obey Jesus Christ. I, I hope pray you leave here smiling a little bit. I'm chosen and called and forgiven and empowered. But you remember too, we're chosen to obey Jesus Christ, right? So this week, this week our assignment is let's follow Jesus into the beautiful life. Hey, listen, I'm in. Are you? Let's, let, will you join me? Let's do this together, okay? Let's together follow Jesus into the beautiful life. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so glad you came and, and lived a perfect life and, and died on the cross for our sins and, and you rose and you offer us eternal life. Listen, if you're here and you hear Jesus knocking, you'd like to be forgiven, you'd like to do eternity with him, won't you receive him? Won't you just tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and, I, and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose and I want you to come in and be my savior and forgive me and, and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Well, if you've done that on the first, for the first time, won't you mark it on your card? Uh, we'd love to celebrate with you and help you grow. Jesus, I want to thank you that you not only chose us, but you called us. And I want to thank you that you've then get, forgiven us and you, you've given us your Holy Spirit. And so this week, Lord, I pray that we would follow you into the beautiful life, that we would follow you into life. And Lord, I pray for those of us gathered here today or during difficult decisions this week when we really don't want to go your way, that we'd say, Holy Spirit, give me the desire, give me the ability to follow Jesus into the beautiful life. And Lord, I pray this week that we would be just like the apostles, that we're with you, and that as we go out, we couldn't help but talk about you, and people would know that we had been with you by the confidence that we have in making much of you. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.
And will you stand with us?